Hello, this begins part two of our Fish Stripes Top 30 Prospect List update. If you didn't listen to part one, you could stop right here and just go back to the previous episode in this pod feed. Uh, They're connected at the hip. First episode over an hour long, looking at the top half of the top 30 list. In this part two, we'll look at the bottom half of that list, as well as some honorable mentions. And then at the very end, connecting everything from top to bottom, number one through number 30. Enjoy. Check that out. To get you caught up on what I'm thinking with these rankings, I mean, this whole, the second half of this top 30 is going to be a big mess because, oh my goodness, there's just so many good players to fit in. But I think from 13 to 16, we already did the top 12. 13 to 16, I had Connor Scott at 13, Nunez at 14, Devers at 15, and Burdick at 16. And then it's going to be, Probably a bunch of pitchers after that. Are we okay with that thirteen to sixteen? I, I want. Not, I, I am not. I personally and that, and want Burdick higher. I want. Yeah, Burdick. I want Burdick up there. Yeah, I, I would. I'd honestly switch Nassim and Burdick. Right. I mean, as we stand right now. Yeah, I personally. Gotta, I think you got to knock Nassim a little bit because he hasn't hit very well, and there is some questions on the viability of his switch hitting. The defense is obviously exceptional, and so is the base running. So it's not that he's an awful prospect, but like I'd like to see him hit, and I'll take Burdick's smaller sample at an older age with that raw power. I'll definitely knock him a couple spots over there. Three and a half years age difference, though. Burdick three and a half years older than Nunez. I personally would have Burdick at at the top of that group. I love him, and I have had my doubts about Connor Scott. Um, he's kind of erased some of that. He was really good last year, and I kind of had to bite my tongue and eat my words on him a little bit. But I still personally, I think Burdick's got a little more power potential. Um, and I, for that reason, oh, I would more, put Burdick at more. 13. I, I just, I just, I know that won't go over. Like, I'm okay if you guys put Scott 13. I just want to put out there that I think Burdick should be the top of that group. Until Connor Scott elevates the ball more consistently, I'm perfectly fine with Burdick and his 70 raw power above Connor Scott. But I do like Connor Scott's tools. So either or could front this little section we have right now. But yeah, I, I think Burdick and Scott have to be at the top there than everyone else. I think I'm probably the high man on Scott, and I even have Burdick like just a hair behind him. So I think you know putting Burdick at the top of that group, uh, a okay with me. I think he's right there neck and neck with Scott. I would say that after those two, next up for me, probably ahead of Nunez, would be uh, Jose Salas and Osiris Johnson. Well, we'll love we'll... Osiris. Love Osiris. I love that right there. I'm here yeah. for that. I'm right. here well, for just that. To get, just to get everybody caught up on Osiris, all the listeners, Osiris did not play any regular season games last year. Right at the end of spring training, he had a tibial fracture, his leg, and ended up missing a couple months of action. He's able to return in instructional leagues, so that was way back in September. He's been fully healthy now for, what, six-plus months, so that's not going to affect him at all in 2020. And he's still, I mean, he's the youngest of those bunch. I think he's, he's 20, right? No, he's, he's still he's 19, 19. Yeah. He's still, he's actually, um, yeah, a little bit older than 
Let's see. Wasn't yeah, he drafted a- at 17? Yeah, right. he was. He was playing in Greensboro at 17. That's why I that's why I'm really high on him is because the way the ball the ball was jumping off his bat at 17 years old was just insane. I I you kind of have to keep him down the list a little bit in my mind personally because you just don't know, you know, how much that injury really set him back. I mean, it's, you know, it's a leg and, you know, guys come, you know, come back from broken legs all the time, but at 19 years old, you just have no idea what kind of effect that'll have on a guy. And we haven't seen, seen him play baseball in a year. So I guess you'll move him. You got to move him down because of that. But we talked about this in the last episode, uh, Eli and Spencer, when we were on together, he, if he performs the way he did when he was a rookie, he will fly up boards. And I think there'll be a really good argument to put him in this part of the ranking, you know, three months into the season. I am actually a little more pessimistic on Osiris right now. I mean, most of it isn't really his fault. Uh, One, the Marlins were way too aggressive with him. He had no reason to be playing in Greensboro that early. And it showed. I mean, he struck out way too much. And I don't know what type of impact that had on him. And then having to miss so much time with his leg. So I'm perfectly fine keeping him in the more like back half of this ranking and more of like a wait and see mode to see just like what he's developed since then because he really has missed a lot of time now yeah i mean i think i'm in the same boat with osiris i think he's ultimately going to end up as a a left fielder or a third baseman in the end anyway so that fact besides the fact that he was the youngest person in the draft and then the marlins rushed him to low a which was a struggle almost with the same problems that Connor Scott's face is the rushing the same year, same draft class. They both were rushed, but now you add that a year and a year plus of missed time that Osiris just saw. And it's hard to move him ahead. Of a lot of these guys we're talking about today, even somebody like Jose Salas, I think Jose Salas is going to be a top 15 player in this, in the system by mid season. I think he's got the potential to start the year in the GCL. If we get a season this year, <clears throat> excuse me, but he'll probably be the youngest player in the GCL, but he's played stateside before, so he knows how to play over here. So I think he's got a real chance to be a higher prospect in, in, everybody's, in everybody's board by the end of the year over Osiris. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about Salas' tools, and I would rank him over Osiris simply because he's healthy and he's younger, and he's going to be stateside this year. So we'll Yeah, I, I think we all agree on Salas over – Osiris, but how would we compare Salas and Nassim? Ah. I mean, I think Nassim's like insane defense will hold them over Salas for now until we see Salas get some pro ABs inside. So for now, I, I would keep Nunez ahead of him, but the upside on Salas is way higher than Nassim. Yeah, I just, I just don't know enough about Salas to. Uh, put him over Nassim personally. Um, everything I kind of know about him is just from listening to you guys and reading up on him a little bit. So I don't know enough to form a personal opinion, but I love Nassim's defensive potential. Um, and he started off really good, hitting pretty well in the GCL last year and showed a little bit of an ability to uh, put the ball you know, deeper into the outfield. Uh, and and so because of that, because of the 
flashes of potential that I saw at the plate early on, uh, I would probably keep him around that 14, 15 range. I think if we're going to talk, I mean, Salas and Nassim, I think I'm going to take Salas at this point, just for what we've seen out of Nassim. Could be, he'll be 20 years old probably by the time we're playing baseball again or close to it. He's only, I think he's a little bit over 19 now. <clears throat> so he'll be in low A next year or Clinton or in Clinton next year at 20 years old. He does not impact the ball yet with his bat. He was a little bit behind being a switch hitter. He didn't start switch hitting until about, I think, his junior year of high school. So it took a long time for him to really figure out that switch hitting and to show power from both sides. With Salas, he has a grown, grown man's body at 16 years old. He'll be in the same league that Nassim was in this year at, 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 19, at Nassim's year 19 or age 19 year, excuse me. Uh, I think he has a, the tools to be a, a 2020 type player when he's at his prime. Uh, he's He can play second, third, and short currently. I don't think he'll end up at short due to his size, but as an overall player and his potential and what he can do going forward, I really like Jose Salas as an overall player, even over Nassim. Yeah, my vote, uh, I agree with that. My vote would be for Salas too, just because I think with Nassim, you are getting that really high-end bankable defense, and you're also getting base running ability that's going to be plus if the on-base percentage is there to support it. Um However, I think, you know, the concerns about the hit tool with Nunez, I think that he'll hit enough for the tools to play, but I think it's kind of going to be just that. He's not going to be a high-level offensive performer in terms of contact or power. Um, I think the power is decent, not outstanding. Um, I think you're going to want to see him develop a, develop a patient approach to uh, get on base to support that speed. But I think all but the most optimistic projections for him right now, you're looking at a bottom-of-the-order type of uh, player. Still still a guy who can be an everyday player, but offensively a bottom-of-the-order kind of producer, um, whereas Salas has the potential to be that kind of top-of-the-order producer. Uh, I do agree his most likely position is second base, but um, I like him a lot there. I think he can be an everyday player there, and I tend to – air a little bit more uh, towards offense, at least when we're talking about two guys who are both going to be towards the upper end of the defensive spectrum. And Salas still projects pretty well on that side of the ball too, even if he's not quite on Nunez's level. All right. So I made some tweaks to that middle of the top 30 rankings. Listen to the people. I put Burdick at 13 and Burdick at 13, Scott at 14, Salas, Nunez, Endeavors, like 15 to 17. and um, But I want to jump back into some pitching. We're kind of overdue to talk about some pitchers that were right in this range. The previous update, um, Umberto Mejia, who had, I mean, compared to the perception of him entering last year, he's a guy that made almost as big a jump as anybody. Someone that had been in the organization, what, five or six years, and had hardly gotten any recognition, but then uh, put up amazing numbers with Clinton, got the promotion to Jupiter, and uh, for the time being, getting an opportunity to develop as a starter, and he'd probably be the featured guy in the rotation for Jupiter when we open up next season. Who else? We already mentioned a lot on Fitterer. I mean, Fitterer has to fit in into these rankings at some point, you know, considering the kind of upside that he has and um, how young he still is, still just a teenager. Also in this range, of course, we have Sterling Sharp, who's the Rule 5 pick, 
and he's going to be the oldest guy probably on this list. But Sterling Sharp was pretty good in his double-A experience, pitched really well in the fall league as well. And for what it's worth, in those spring training games, he showed a lot and seems like a pretty safe lock to make the opening day roster, which means he's going to lose his prospect eligibility really early in the year anyway. But for the time being, you know, still considered a prospect and has to fit in here. And the other one that, of course, um, Spencer mentioned before, and that's always on our minds, the man with the longest scoreless inning streak, uh, I think in all of professional baseball at the moment, is Alex Vesia, who hasn't allowed a run since last July. He dominated in, in Jupiter, in Jacksonville, in the fall league, in spring training. And if we're just looking at Vesia strictly as a reliever, which he has been so far in pro ball, then he just seems to have that simple formula that's going to translate into major league games at some point. And yeah, so when we try to put all these pitching into perspectives, I guess Vesia, um, considering some of the other pitchers we've already mentioned, like Guzman and Holloway, if they have really heavy reliever risk, and of course Vesia has a full-blown reliever risk, but he's been so dominant in all of his pro outings, like literally the most effective pitcher in minor league baseball since he was drafted in 2018. I mean, he's an automatic slam dunk top 30 guy, right? Even in the Marlins system. Yeah, I think so. I um, I think, though, Umberto Mejia might be a little too high on the list. He's a little older for, like, being a guy that has to be on the 40-man roster and having to start the year in Jupiter. I feel more comfortable ranking him around where, like, Duggar is. It's, like, two guys who don't really have exceptional stuff, but they can kind of mix it and throw strikes, and that has, like, allowed them to succeed up to now. But I think he might have been ranked a little too high. But yeah, and then I think Fitter and Sharp should definitely lead this group. Sharp because he's gonna be a major leaguer, and I think um, the fact that he's already like almost there and he's throwing strikes in big league camp that helps him out. And Fitter is upside. I I love him. I probably would have put him in the middle group around where Salas is. So I'd have them two up top, and then Umberto a little lower. I'm pretty big on Mejia. Uh, I thought he was really good last year. Uh, and and so I would have him a little higher. Um, but, yeah, I think Lewis is right. Uh, he's kind of like a, like a, you know, middle middle guy. Like he, he's that guy that comes up from AAA to make spot starts and stuff. And then, you know, you might keep him in the bullpen to eat some innings or maybe he turns into a pretty good uh, bullpen arm. Um, Fitterer was – solid last year uh in the gcl he was really solid 2.38 era uh you know struck out some guys a little high walk rate but um i'm a big fan of his and i thought he was really solid last year and obviously he meant a lot to the marlins because they dished out the money for him um so if they're excited about him i trust the front office enough to be excited about him too so yeah i think him leading this group is pretty good but um, I would kind of throw uh, Mesa Jr. somewhere in the middle of this group. Uh, I think he belongs right somewhere in between these pitchers. Right. And then I'm pretty excited about Sharp. Um, that breaking ball looked pretty nasty um, <laughs> in, in spring training. Um, I think he made pitching ninja. Um, so that's that's a big accomplishment for sure. Um, but I, I, I think he's, he's a guy that um, – you know, he's obviously we're going to see him right away against big league hitters. And so we'll know about him pretty quickly. 
Um, but he seems like a really solid bullpen arm if that curveball is as legit as it seems. Um, I, I don't know too much about Vessia, but I mean, I listen to Ian about a lot of things because he's one of the smartest people I know when it comes to baseball, and that's his guy right now, it seems. Um, so, yeah, I think with his solid production out of the bullpen and when you get down towards this part of the rankings, you know, we talked about Holloway and Guzman and how they probably project his relievers, and you have a guy that's actually dominating like that as a reliever, um, yeah, I think he can he can definitely make this area of the rankings. Yeah, I mean, talking about the guys we just brought up here, I think sticking at the front end of that group would be Evan Fitterer. He has a chance to have two 60-grade pitches going forward. He's not even 20 years old. <laughs> he's got a, and he's got, and he's got projection. He has the ability to be a long-term starter more than anybody else in this group that we're mentioning. Behind that, I'm g- going to go with my guy, Augs Vesia. He's just dominant. He's got a, he's got a change-up he can throw in any count. Um, he really just <clears> – <throat> He just works any count with with composure. He's not scared of any of any position and any at bat. He hit ninety eight off the left out of left handed slot last year, which is pretty impressive. He, he sits ninety five usually. He's got three pitches that he throws. He's just not. He's just ready for the moment every time. Seventeenth round, Cal State East Bay from Alpine, California. Alex is twenty three years old. He's deceptive. You can kind of see it kind of holds the ball up by his ear. It seems like it's coming out of his head a little bit. Pitchers, not pitchers, hitters don't seem to catch up to that. If he throws 92-95 and guys just don't make contact against it. Uh, Speaking about Sharp, he's got a really good breaking ball. It's a really elite spin, but his fastball scares the absolute hell out of me. Um, If he gets behind in counts as a major leaguer, he's going to get hit hard. If he can work that, if he can work his slider and curveball in there as much as he does, then we really could have something. But I think he's in the lower bottom half of this top thirty, just for potential of what he can do at the next level. I don't think he's going to be that higher, that high of a pick. I mean, he's going to be on our roster this year, on Miami's roster all year as a as a Rule Five pick, but I don't see the upside being that high. And the last guy on this list talking about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's maybe all we talked about here. I m- might be missing one, but. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go Fitterer, Vessia, and then Sharp here. So, well, I'll I'll get the rest of the names out on the open. Other guys that were on the top thirty last time. We've already discussed everybody that was one through twenty-one last year. Some of the other names: Will Banfield, the only catcher, the only catcher hope, I guess, that the Marlins have at at least at at the full season level of the organization right now, um, and also from twenty-seven on down. Brian Miller, the outfielder who's a former very early round draft pick uh, and still a great speedster. Robert Duggar is still prospect eligible for like another few innings. So I, we have to fit him in somewhere here, probably right at the ends where he was before. Um, a guy that added some muscle over the offseason, and that translated pretty well in spring games. His fastball velo was up a couple ticks. I mean, that was a big issue for him last year, and a big concern is that he, he simply – in the same way that you just mentioned with Sterling Sharp, someone like Duggar, you were kind of worried about what he'd be able to do when he was behind in the count. And uh, that burned him in the majors last year, but it seemed that he put in some work during the offseason. That definitely helped. We had Tristan Pompey at number 29 last year. I know we were really excited about him in 2018, that first year uh, coming out of the draft in Kentucky. But he took such a big drop-off in 2019, a lot of that because of injury. Um, but for whatever variety of reasons, 
considering where like Pompey was in the outfielder hierarchy, you know, at this time, just a year ago and where he is now, just some of that his own doing and some of that just because of all the other talent that is added into the organization. And uh, J.D. Orr was also this uh, is my guy. This is my guy. Can we get him up this list, please? Please, can we move him up a little bit? Uh, I got to mention one thing because, I mean, we're going off guys are already on this list. We need to rank Brady Encarnacion and, like, now because he should not be in, like, the back half of the top 20. I mean, of the top 30. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that. He needs to be, like, towards, like, 20, 21, maybe. Because we're talking about real starter projection here with, like, a, like legitimate ability to spin a breaking ball. So, I like, this is a guy who could just take off and become a top pitching prospect in the system. So, he, he needs to be in here. And sadly, I don't think Pompey belongs on this list. When he has had a chance to play, he hasn't hit exceptionally well. He's pretty much stuck in left field, and he hasn't played. So, what about what about Luis Palacios? I'm not feeling that. I, I I don't think that until he can throw his fastball at least consistently above 90 miles per hour, like it's tough to like rank him anywhere because. I mean, you you still have to like project towards the major leagues. His command's exceptional for his age, but it, it wouldn't work the way like if you're looking at his current projection and his velocity, it just wouldn't work long term. I definitely the, un- yeah, uh, the, un- the unknown with Palacios is what's got everybody so mm-hmm. excited. He's put up insane numbers and in in, his numbers are insane. <laughs> That's why I said like, it's exciting to watch to look at what he said, but he's he's sitting at probably 86, 87 right now. He doesn't he doesn't have a lot of run on his stuff, so it's it's hard to project what Palacios is going to do at the at the big at the higher levels. You might see him in Clinton to start the year this year, which is what we're all hoping to see. So if he puts up numbers in Clinton and shows some velocity, then maybe we can start ranking him. But putting Encarnacion over Palacios is a no brainer for me right now. And I gotta say, I can't buy into the excitement on JD Orr until he plays in the upper minor leagues. Uh, obviously he's probably, he's probably the fastest player in the entire organization. Uh, but that I think that's what really has allowed him to succeed this much in Batavia. And it's the same with like Milton Smith jr. Like there's guys on Twitter who get really excited about him, but like it, you have to keep in mind that when you're playing in like lower levels, you're you're potentially facing very poor defenses where your speed can really just give you that insane boost and it can make you look a lot better than maybe where you'd be ranked on a prospect list. Let's see, one, one other guy that just to include in this mix, mix that he wasn't top 30 because we made the previous list before the Marlins traded Austin Dean and they surprisingly got something back in return for Dean and they surprisingly got this outfielder that really dominated in the Dominican Summer League and the Cardinals organization, that would be Deal Wheel Burgos, who's just going to be 19 this upcoming season. Uh, so finished last year in the GCL. If you're wondering, on Pipeline and on fan graphs, they both have him comfortably inside the top 30. And uh, I guess, of course, if you compare him to someone like J.D. Orr, he certainly has time on his side, about four years younger than Orr is. Um, and, and pretty decent power potential at this point. 
So uh, I guess we got to find a spot for Burgos as well somewhere in here, huh? Yeah, I would definitely want to get Burgos into the list somewhere at the least. Um, I think if you put him next to somebody like Will Banfield, there's a lot more to get excited about with Burgos. Um, The power is real. Even though he's a smaller guy, he really hits the ball with a lot of juice. Um, At this stage of his career, he runs. We'll see as the body matures if that continues to be part of his game. But he shows an exciting skill set from an offensive perspective. The kind of guy who you can envision potentially hitting towards the top of the order uh, with potential to impact the game in a lot of different ways. So I like him a lot. I thought that was an outstanding get um, to get him for Austin Dean. Um, And one other player who hasn't come up yet, who I would definitely want to find a spot for here, uh, in addition to Brady Encarnacion, among those younger pitchers would be Chris Mokma. I think... He's not quite as impressive at this stage as Federer, but similar kind of overall tools, like a lot of starter traits potential for multiple above average pitches with starter command. I think that if you want to dream on him, you could have a number three, four type starter there, uh, similar upside projection as you have with Federer. There, it just hasn't been demonstrated to quite the same degree yet. Quantify some of these things. Uh- some of the guys that Spencer just brought up. Uh, first of all, starting with Mokma, he only started five games, small sample size, but uh, he had a 2.19 ERA and a 2.53 uh, FIP, 8.76 Ks per nine. Those are pretty good numbers for uh, you know a high school guy, and he was another one of the like the money big money signings that the Marlins put together in this draft. And then Burgos, um, I mean, his numbers kind of jump off the page at you. Uh, in the DSL last year, 316, 420 OBP, 579 slugging percentage. He had 11 home runs in 58 games. Okay, Dill Will Burgos, he was a little older for a guy playing in the DSL. So we do, I think we do have to keep that in mind mm-hmm. when we're looking at his stats uh, to keep it fair. But uh, yeah, I mean, if he has the, the raw power and like the tools to be excited about, that's fair. But he was a little older for, for his group. I just think I just think to get that back for a guy like Austin Dean is pretty impressive, um, and and yeah, I, I mean that's definitely something to you know be excited about. I mean his numbers. It looks like he went from one level of rookie ball to the to the next, and then I don't know which level though. I don't know if it was DSL to GCL or what, but uh, when he was in the Cardinal system, but those numbers when he went to the second level of rookie ball, he hit. 382, 481, and 725 in 36 games. And he hit nine homers. He only struck out 15% of the time. Uh, he had a 213 weighted runs created plus. So those are some crazy numbers right there to that one. You look at what the Marlins got him for, that's some pretty good value. Um, you know, obviously, you know, that's one stat line and, his, you know, that's one sample and the rest of his sample isn't very good. Um, but it's something to take note of. He's a guy to kind of put on the radar um, and, and keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, he, he, I am right there with Spencer. He definitely deserves a spot on this list. All right. Yeah. Some of the tough decisions I'm going to make here and trying to fill out the top 30. I think we agree is squeezing Pompey off the list for the time being uh, holding off on JD or for a little bit until he faces competition. That's kind of his own age. 
And I, I guess it's convenient because Duggar is going to graduate from prospect eligibility pretty soon anyway, that we can squeeze him off a little bit ahead of time in order to get some of these younger, higher upside guys on the list. Oh, but boy, it's so difficult to like sort all this out. Definitely yeah. think, though, with Banfield, we should keep him a little higher simply because he is a phenomenal defensive catcher. Phenomenal. I know. Phenomenal. I, I love his defense. And yeah, I, you may have mentioned, you may have been going to mention this already, but there's a lot more power potential in him than has shown up in games. Like when he actually squares up the ball, when you look at his average fly ball distance relative to other players, like he does, he's not that far away from showing at least 50 power, if not a little bit higher than that. Of course, the question is just going to be, whether he gets on base enough to be like a primary catcher. Yeah. Uh, his, his floor as a backup catcher is a sure shot. Like he will play in the major leagues barring any like awful situation where he gets hurt or something. But like, I, I really believe that just because he will be at least a backup catcher and the shortage of catching plus positionally, it's never been like a strength to hit at catcher in general you probably can like excuse his like poor showings in Clinton uh, last year a little more than some other I, players. I, I get what you're saying, but I would understand that if you're hitting like 230, 250, but when you're hitting below the Mendoza line, you got to be a little careful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just my personal. That's just my personal opinion, though. Austin Hedges has still been like about a two-win player. For the last few years by playing top level defense and running into a handful of homers every season. Yeah. I think that's what you have with Banfield. Uh, like the raw power is definitely there. Um, when he does make contact, he tends to get to that power, but the contact isn't there in the low minors. It, I don't think it's really ever going to be there. Like if you really, if everything really clicks, he could be like a Jake Rogers kind of type. But I mean, thus far, Jake Rogers hasn't hit in the majors. Um, and I think it's kind of like that Rogers hedges kind of profile, but I don't think that Banfield is the defender that hedges is certainly. And I'm not sure that he's, he's quite even as good as Rogers is. I think there's a little bit of residual prospect shine on him because he was such a decorated prep player, but I just, I don't see the bat. Like I do think he's a high probability backup catcher, but I don't, see backup catchers as top prospects or like yeah, or no, I'm, I'm, sorry yeah. finish up sorry. I mean like at least in a system this strong I don't know that I have a backup catcher in the top 30 like I do think there yeah. there are skills to like with Banfield but I think when you are only ranking up to 30 names he's he's just off of that cut line for me yeah and I think first of all um, I agree with Lewis and with you, Spencer, that his defense gets him to the major leagues uh, it, because it is exceptional. I mean, he was throwing guys out left and right every night last year. So, um, you know, it, I do agree that his defense gets him to the majors. But you're kind of a little less worried about it because I thought what we saw from Alfaro besides the strikeouts last year was really positive. And now you're kind of like, okay, that kind of takes some of the pressure off of Banfield. And I think the Marlins have some guys that kind of need a little bit of pressure taken off of them. Like we talked about Brinson last episode. We talked about Mesa Jr. Uh, no, sorry, I always get them confused. About Victor Victor last uh, episode. 
And now you talk about a guy like Banfield who might have a little bit of a, the pressure off of him and one year older, maybe he starts hitting a little better. But yeah, I, I think because he has major league potential and he's a guy that's going to be in the majors, he's got to be towards the bottom. But I think we can just kind of squeak him onto the list a little bit. I'd also expect uh, uh, Banfield to have some competition in the near future. Like it, th- this isn't coming from a source or anything, but I'm fully certain. Like within the first four or five picks, they're going to select the catcher. Like they're they're so hollowed out at that position, they they need to address it. It is a very strong catching class this year, so it's a good time to be in that position. All right, well, folks, you're listening to our top 30 prospect list update and if you fast forwarded to if for whatever reason you fast forwarded over an hour into our rankings and you reach this point we're going to try to sort out the back half of this top 30 which is going to look quite a bit different from the previous update to this point i had our one through 17 ranked and that first top 17 it ended off with like all those young shortstops salas and nunez endeavors so from 18 to 30, I'm just going to spit out some names, 18 to 30, and you guys yell at me about any that you think are egregiously wrong, all right? 18 with George Guzman, 19, Osiris, 20, Fitterer, 21, Holloway, 22, Vesia, 23, Victor Mesa Jr., 24, Brady Encarnacion, 25, Dio Will Burgos, 26, Sterling Sharp, 27, Umberto Mejia, 28, Will Banfield, 29, Victor Victor Mesa, and 30, Brian Miller. Which one of those can you not live with? I would move Guzman down about 10 spots personally. Um, That might be a little extreme for some of us. I would have, um, forgive me. I would have Holloway uh, a handful of spots lower. Um, I would push off Miller in favor of Mokma, and I would move Encarnacion up a little bit. Those were the ones that stood out to me. I actually feel bad ranking Miller so low because he he just hits like he. I know Double A he kind of took a step back, like trying to hit more fly balls, but I think his contact ability has some role in the major leagues. It's just tough to sort it out when his defense isn't particularly exceptional and he doesn't run the bases that great. But, uh, well, not that great. I'm sorry. Just not as great as you would expect his speed to allow him to. But, yeah, I think he definitely has a spot on this list. I don't feel great about him so close to 30, but I guess that's just how it's going to have to end up. But – I would probably move up Victor Victor a bit because of the defense and the arm and Victor Mesa Jr. Probably knock him up a couple spots too. Yeah, I would put, it was Guzman and then Holloway, right? Guzman a few spots ahead of Holloway. In, in Holloway. I would put, yeah. yeah. Who was in front of Holloway? I would put Mesa in front of, oh, it was Holloway and then Vessier or Vessier and then Holloway. I would put Mesa Jr. up over those two. Uh, and then I, Brian Miller's like a fourth outfielder at best. And with the amount of outfield talent the Marlins have in the system right now, I just don't feel great about putting a fourth outfielder ceiling on the top 30 list. So I like the, I like Mokma. I'll, I would personally vouch for JD Orr, but I'm more than okay with getting 
uh, a high school guy the Marlins are high on with a good-looking ceiling on this list. Holloway, a few spots. Maybe just flip him and Brady. Brady. I, yeah, I like Brady. Yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree with that. Do we have uh, where do we have Vezia in relation to the other pitchers at the moment? I have him at twenty. I have him twenty-two, right next to Fitterer and Brady. So between Fitterer and Brady. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that. that Wait, where is Burgos? Burgos at twenty-five. Okay, cool. I just, Ian I said just, to finish up without him. By the way. <laughs> well, yeah, we did. We have gone pretty long at this point. Yeah, is it his internet like shot out or something? That's how he described it. So ah, yikes, that sucks. All right, but um, this is tough. But I mean, I think I don't know if I, man is that Brady's ceiling seems pretty great. I think I would still keep fitter just above him for now. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, Guzman has to be lower than Holloway, in my opinion. And then yeah, just Mesa Junior a little higher. Yeah, I like Mason Jr. I think after um, Osiris, I believe, was the last uh, position player we had ranked. I think yeah, he should be above Osiris. I, I think he that's that's the switch I would like to make. I think Mesa should replace Osiris at his spot, probably just swap them. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. he did even have more success than Osiris in the GCL. And I think they were about the same age, if yeah. not – Mace yeah, is absolutely uh, more polished, better pure hitter than Osiris at this stage. I just think there is so much more power in Osiris's profile, but that's what has me with him a little ahead of Mesa. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely in that range, for me personally, it's right after Osiris. I have Mesa Jr. and Burgos as uh, kind of ahead of the pack in terms of position players. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and at the very end, we want to switch Miller with Malkma. Have Chris Malkma rounding it out. I would be in support of that just for the reason, the way I see it, Malkma has potential to develop into a long-term starter. Um, I think, you know, the most likely projection in that role would be a number four starter. Um, and if he gets a little further along his development, I mean, Nick Neidert is a likely number four starter, according to most people. And he's up a great deal higher on the list. So I think when you look at a guy who has a similar kind of projection, and Mokma even throws a little bit harder than somebody like Neidert, who's just a couple years earlier in their development, that's a guy I like to put on the back end of the list just because the potential is there for him to rise as much as 15 spots in the future. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. All right. Let me see if there's anybody else that I'd written down I didn't mention. Uh, Of course, when a year ago, there was some excitement about Will Stewart coming over in the Rio Muto trade. And at the very beginning of the year, he had a couple excellent outings. And then he had a couple at the end of the year. And then in between then, he kind of got lit up at Jupiter, but uh, still only 22 years old and still has that nasty changeup with him. Um, He was a top 30 guy for most of last year, but I think at a certain point, when you just have concerns about his fastball, having being able to get by anybody, that that probably drops him outside the list for now. We're going to leave Palacios outside the list for now. Um, I'm keeping an eye on Josh Robertson, who what is going to be 24 this upcoming year. He's had Tommy John surgery in the past, and then last year he missed a lot of time with another arm injury. But when he was healthy, 
Um, he was pretty electric. He's another guy that, um, I guess, a very different roster status than Guzman or Holloway, but the same type of stuff and, you know, the same type of weaknesses too when you look at his reliever risk and his age relative to his level of competition. But someone to keep an eye on, and I guess he's not top 30 for the moment. I mean, I get, I, yeah, I think he's a great name to bring up. Um, and I think you can make a good case for him for one of those last couple of spots. I, I think the parallel um, drawing between him and Holloway is a good one. I think there definitely is some similarity there between their profiles. Mm-hmm. And with both guys, if you really want to dream, like maybe you can coax a starting pitcher out of that. I think with the Stewart, though, there's there was like a mechanical problem that there was to address there, but I think his stuff is actually very good. Um, so I don't know if he has a role in the, this top 30 right now, but I think it's a guy who, if he makes the changes he needs to make, that uh, he'll, he'll jump right back in and probably like, that's the thing. I wouldn't feel great about him in a bullpen. So it's, it's kind of swing or miss with him as a starting pitcher, but I think as a starter, he kind of does play up with that heavy sink and like his changeup. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think Stewart's a lost cause. I think I have, I sort of think of him in tandem with Sterling Sharp. They kind of share some similarities. Both of them are more, uh, their pitching style is oriented towards generating weak contact more than striking guys out. And Stewart does throw significantly harder than Sharp, but he's not as fully realized. And I, I agree with you when you say that he doesn't project especially well to the bullpen because he doesn't really have like that kind of one pitch he can really lean on in that kind of role and um i i don't think that what he's shown recently looks like that kind of number four starter that he looked like a little earlier on but if he can iron out those kinks mechanically it the the possibility is still there for him to fit into the back end of rotation because he does have a nice diverse arsenal in soft rock solid fastball velocity yeah, I agree. All right, I'm going to take a deep breath and read this top 30 that we got here from the beginning. Number one, number one, Sixto Sanchez. Number two, Jess Chisholm. Number three, J.J. Bleday. Number four, Edward Cabrera. Number five, Jesus Sanchez. Number six, Lewin Diaz. Seven, Monte Harrison. Eight, Braxton Garrett. Nine, Trevor Rogers. Ten, Cameron Meisner. Eleven, Gerard Encarnacion. Number 12, Nick Neidert. 13, Peyton Burdick. 14, Connor Scott. 15, Jose Salas. 16, Nassim Nunez. 17, Jose Devers. 18, Osiris Johnson. 19, Evan Fitterer. And then I made some changes to the rest of these. 20, now Victor Mesa Jr. 21, Brady Encarnacion. 22, Alex Vesia. 23, Wheel Burgos. 24, George Guzman, 25, Jordan Holloway, 26, Sterling Sharp, 27, Umberto Mejia, 28, Victor Victor Mesa, 29, Will Banfield, and 30, Chris Mokma. I, I like it. I like it. I think I'm a big fan of how we kind of went big on ceiling. You know, we brought our minds together and kind of was like, okay, who's got the most potential? You know what I mean? And that's why you see guys like uh, – Jazz going up to two and Guzman falling a little bit and Victor Victor falling pretty hard. 
Um, but I think that's the right way to kind of evaluate prospects is on is on ceiling. And I think when you look at it, you've got the guys with the highest ceilings at the top. And it just kind of shows where the Marlins are at right now in terms of, yeah, they've got a ton of talent at the top, but you can't say that they're a top-heavy system because you look down the list a little bit and it's really, really good somewhere in the middle and then even towards the back end. It's definitely a credit to, to all aspects of baseball operations because you look at the various ways some of them have been acquired via trade, some of them have been drafted and developed, some of them have come from international baseball. It just speaks to, to how we've, we've, we've beefed up the entire organization and, and put the focus on building this thing the right way, putting ourselves on solid foundation. So, yeah, I, I, I think... I think we came together and we put something really good together. I'm really, uh, I think we did a good job. I think this year too, I feel a lot better about their position player group, not just because of the names they have in it. Obviously they've had a lot of additions, but um, like there's no question they struggled to develop bats over the last two years. So this new staff they've got working, I mean, if you want to buy into Lewis Brinson's results, like you can kind of see it there. Um, even with Jazz Chisholm, there's been an active effort to reduce his uh, swings and misses since he came into the system. And you've seen the results from the moment he stepped foot with the jumbo shrimp. And so I feel really good about the position player group they have now as compared to last year. And obviously the year before, I think they'll do a lot better job, like actually developing these guys into major league baseball players. Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely, you know, just having this conversation really reminds you of just how stacked the system has gotten. I think, you know, it's right there, right up there with the very best systems in baseball. I would, I would put it in the top three. And I think that the list we put together looks very solid. Um, there are just a couple of, like, little uh, spots that I thought uh, we might discuss maybe a tad further. Just I feel like as a group, there's a little bit more confidence in uh, Harar than Meisner. And I feel like based on our discussion, maybe those two could switch spots being right next to each other. And then uh, the same kind of situation with uh, Osiris and Fitterer. Yeah. And we got to talk about Braxton. I mean, we, we basically just glossed over him, but uh, yeah, well, he did a tremendous here. job, like just coming back from Tommy John surgery throwing strikes. He still has that amazing breaking ball. Um, and it's not crazy to think that he has a little more velo coming back as he recovers from this surgery. He's never been a very high velocity guy, but he's been able to bring it up when he has to. So I'm, I'm really excited about him and I kind of feel bad for not talking more about him. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, when I did my like quick takes on the top 30 that came out from pipeline, like the first thing I noticed was Braxton being at six. I was like, Oh wow. Like that kind of jumps off the page at you, but it kind of makes a ton of sense. Uh, he was really good last year and he was a very high, uh, you know, prospect when he came out of the draft and, um, and he finally was healthy for a full season pretty much. And he was really good. So yeah, it makes sense to have him really high in the system. Um, and, um, Definitely, he deserved a little more attention. He kind of got glossed over. Um, but, um, yeah, he's a guy that you have to be excited about and has huge potential 
to absolutely rocket up this list, get back towards where he was when the system was depleted, and he was one of the most exciting guys, and get himself back, and I think he can easily get himself back in the top 100. Agreed. And those notes that Spencer brought up, I agree with that. I mean, based on the discussion that we had, flipping Gerard and Meisner, flipping Fitterer and Osiris, and I mean, people, that's why we're putting together an article version of this. So people can actually see the top 30 because nobody's going to actually remember all the word salad that comes out of my mouth when I read all those names back to back to back. So fishstripes.com has the article with this top 30 in order. There's going to be write-ups with it, little audio clips from everybody that was on this pod ex- detailing certain players. Um, my specialty is getting the highlights. And I, I think I could get highlights of almost every one of these players whether it's right before they signed to go pro or actually pitching in pro games in the Marlins organization, that's going to be on there. The, the longest pod episode in Fish Tribes podcast history, and certainly the longest one on ETS since we started that one about a year ago on the state. And not exactly sure what our schedule is going to be with recording this stuff during the season. Last year we were, it was really good between Ethan and Ian and Danny Martinez like recording every single week. But uh, it's a great unknown now, now that we know that this stuff is going to be delayed. And uh, whenever the major league season starts, we think that the minor league season will be a little bit behind that. So, yeah, this whole schedule is going to be messy. But uh, as I, I said, just want to uh, say, yeah, I just want to say if, if you're out there and you're listening and you want to watch baseball at any point this year, stay home, stay inside. Just just do it just so we can get if it if for nothing else. Just so we can watch the Marlins prospects take off again. Just please stay inside. <laughs> Echoing what Ian, Ethan, Andy, and, and everybody, what all of us are saying, stay home for the time being, and uh, we'll keep you entertained in the meantime. But make sure to subscribe to the pod and keep coming back for more. Great job, fellas.